Welcome to Growing Through Tragedy, Experiencing Life's Challenges from an Empowered Perspective. This is Leon Morton. This podcast is brought to you by the Belief Hack Brainery. And this podcast is created to provide hope, potential insight, resources for people that are struggling when life hits them in the face, when things catch them off guard, and when you go through a tragedy in your experience here on your journey. The podcast is going to start with my personal story of a very traumatic experience, an event that I went through and had to kind of take my own medicine as a personal development coach and speaker and trainer. I had all kinds of resources that I was real easy to espouse to other people going through struggles, but when it hit me square in the face, it was a very delicate and learned experience. I absolutely had to check my hubris at the door and really uh, change my mindset into a position of observation, learning, and then action in some of the processes that I was familiar with and some that I was not, but able to help me have a different perspective as I went through this challenge and ultimately to be able to come up with some very unique ways of approach some coping skills that were very powerful and processes of resources that I was able to reach out and embrace that really helped me in my struggle. I hope that this podcast becomes light for you and that it's an opportunity for you to maintain hope and to maintain a mindset that you can overcome and you will get through it and that you have people around you. You have this resource for you that care, that love you, and want to see you succeed as you move through your journey. Episode 1 of a series, multi-episode series, Diary of a Suicide Loss Survivor. These are going to be excerpts from the upcoming book, and this is my story of a tragic loss in my life, and uh, we'll just start right off with it. Episode 1, I give you Diary of a Suicide Loss Survivor. I'd like to start with a warning. Uh, some of the language is going to be explicit and most definitely graphic in detail. That is not with the intent of frustrating anybody, and this may not be for everybody in regards to emotional stability, but this is actually what went down, and I wanted to be able to just address early on the onset that uh, there should be taken some caution there with who might be listening. I would also like to encourage you, if you are a suicide loss survivor, the reason I'm writing this is for two reasons. One is to potentially provide a perspective to some of those that have thought about suicide, but possibly haven't really thought the whole thing through in regards to the ripple effects and how broad it goes outside of that decision. I know that sounds cliche, but hopefully hearing it a true story from someone's mouth can bring a little bit more perspective and, and hopefully uh, some different thoughts in that idea. And then if you are the loss survivor, I want to encourage you, uh, you can get through this. I do understand how devastating and tragic it is. I understand the chaos of emotion. I understand the 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 feelings that go all over the place like waves 
the the questions, the why, the how could this happen, all of those things, as difficult as they are. And I want to also encourage that you could potentially change your perspective and viewpoint to one that is in observing those dramatic emotional shifts and observing your emotions and observing your behavior and just know that it's okay. There's no right in this space and this is a tragic, tragic event. This is a very serious situation and there is no right, but you will get through it. Again, seek professional care as soon as possible. There's no shame in getting help. And uh, I hope that my story is an encouragement to you. I wanted to present this program personally, and so I didn't want to have any professional, you know, um, some professional speaker or actor uh, reading my notes and my diary notes because I don't want to lose in translation the nuances that can be lost between a text and actual conversation. So I want to make this as though it's a conversation with you, my friend. I apologize in advance if I get um, a little shook up at times or a little emotional. And uh, you know what? Emotions are okay. When you go through something as difficult and as tragic as what a suicide loss is to a very close loved one, um, there is no right in that space and emotions are emotions and they're simply emotions and they come and they go and they come like waves and it's been four years I've been working on this these notes uh, and trying to compile them and to figure out how I wanted to to get this out there to potentially help people and uh, even you know I've been working on that for the last two years and four years uh, it still affects me. It affects me every day. Uh, some days are easier, obviously, than others. And obviously, when you're in a place of focusing on the event, that really brings back all kinds of memories and powerful references. And it's quite, frankly, incredible. Uh, it's incredible. But anyway, with that said, uh, let's get on to it. Diary of a Suicide Loss Survivor September 14th, 2014 The day was beautiful The sun was shining We were in the Sonoran Desert And it was a Sunday One of our favorite days As we would get on our football gear My beautiful wife Kristen was a humongous cheesehead Packers fan and so every Sunday morning there was excitement in the house and she would get on and get her jersey on and be all jacked up to go and and we were gonna go watch watch some football for the day and it was a, a wonderful time for us it was something we enjoyed doing together and, and it was just a really fun thing and so sure enough uh, we decided to go to a place here in, in town, and we lived in Phoenix at the time, and we were heading out to to go out to this little burger joint that had a bunch of TVs, and it was a Packers place, so that's where we went, and my brother came along, and he was going to join us for the day, 
he w- we were trying to convert him to be a Packers fan at the time, actually. And uh, it worked reasonably well in hindsight. But So off we go. We're going to the bar, and uh, we get our burgers and food, and we're there for the day. And we're watching all the games. We both played fantasy football, so had that going for us. And it was a really fun, busy kind of activity, and we just enjoyed it very much. As the day went on, uh, my brother and had started to offer uh, some shots for us. So we all had a round of shots, and that was, that was good. And then I noticed that Kristen started to talk to the bar owner. And that bar owner... Um, was just a conversation that they had going on. And I didn't recognize what they were even talking about at the time, but as it turns out, later in the day I found out um, he had just lost his uh, significant other, his wife. And so she was in a place of trying to console him, and uh, obviously there must have been quite a bit of emotion in that space. Well, the day went on, the games went on, uh, the... We had more beers, and I think there was another round of shots. And as we uh, ended up wrapping it up there, I don't even remember today if the Packers won or lost that day. That day ended up to be quite a blur for me. Uh, As we get back to the house, um, Chris was definitely a little bit buzzed up, and um, so I helped, helped her get inside, and it's not like she was totally out of it, but... You could tell that she was affected, and it was an odd thing. I noticed it would be different, and I have notes of that in my diary, that something was a little different. And it it might have been as she was, we were driving home, and as she was talking with me, she had expressed the sadness that she had in her heart for the guy that she was talking with who owned the bar and had just lost his wife, and how sad that was, and it was an emotional moment. And so... Anyway, uh, we get home, and she jumps in the pool, and and I jump in the pool with her, and uh, we're just swimming, and, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to get out and start making us some dinner, and and I look at her, and she's, she's pretty buzzed. Like, I mean, she's kind of out of it a little bit, and I'm like, honey, how messed up are you? You know, are you okay? Why don't I get you out and let's let's you know get you inside and you know settle in a little bit. And so that was fine. We get out and go inside, and um, I I get into the back bedroom there, our master bedroom, and she's just kind of laying on the bed. And so I'm like, well, are you tired? I'm I'm gonna make some dinner, but if you're tired, let's just get you you know tucked in here. So take a little nap. So I kind of laid her down on the bed, and I went in to do the cooking, and I was getting dinner prepared. And as I did, um, I noticed the dogs started to go a little bit crazy. And I was wondering, what is going on? And I look out in the backyard, and our back gate is open into the wash. And I'm thinking, what is going on? (laughs) And so I walk out there. uh, No, I'll set the whole scene for you. I'm I'm buck naked, right? I'm cooking and naked, got out of the pool and 
we were naked in our house often, and also in the backyard. It was, you know, fully enclosed, and we spent a lot of time like that, whether in the pool or just hanging out, and we just liked that. And so I'm walking back in there, and I'm going to the gate to close it and thinking, who knows what's going on. Dogs are barking. And as I walk out, I, uh, I see Kristen laying on the ground. And she's buck naked <laughs> in the wash. And I'm like, honey, <laughs> what, what are you doing out here? Come on, let me get you inside. And I, I reach down and I put my arm under her head and my other arm under her legs, and I go to lift her up, and I, I look, and, and my whole entire arm is covered in blood. And then I instantly, you know, aware, I'm looking, and I see a gun, and I see her phone open, and I hear noise on the phone, and I'm like, holy shit, no. No, and I, I get the phone, and I hang up, and I call nine one one, and I'm talking to the lady on nine one one, and she's like, "Start CPR," and I'm like, "She's still gurgling, she's breathing, gurgling, but she's I'm not gonna start CPR. She's gurgling. Just get your ass here, get here quickly," and I'm holding her, and she's just gasping and uh, gurgling and I'm, I'm crying out no God no no please no and I'm yelling for help and uh, at this point my mind it's so interesting when I say try to be from a place of observation at this point my mind is like oh my god the doors are locked I've got this huge Great Dane, I got a little Mastiff, and I'm buck naked, and I gotta go open the door. And sure enough, I hear the sirens coming, and they're coming. And I, so I'm like, well, fuck it. So I just run to the front door. And it must have been an incredible scene in hindsight to the the cops, you know, and the fire department. And, and in rush the guys, and I'm rushing them out back. Come on, come on, please hurry, hurry. And they get to her, and then they ask me to step aside and ultimately go put some pants on. And uh, I get the dog situated. And everything then slowed down, like, like odd, like surreal, literally surreal in my mind. And I'm like... No fucking way is this happening. I can't believe this. No. And uh, I wasn't broke up at the time. I was, I think, in shock. I don't, I don't, because I wasn't crying. The reason I know this is because I remember specifically the moment I did break down. And that was when my son got to the house. And he had... Evidently, she was on the phone with her mother. And when I hung up the phone to call 911, her mother called her sister, and her sister called my son. And so my son and, and his wife came to the house. And when they came in, 
cops everywhere, shit's going crazy, and uh, when he came in, that's when I really broke down. I think I was in, you know, like a PTSD shock, you know, up until that point, just, just kind of functioning, pardon me, and uh, so I grabbed him and I just held on to him. And uh, it was getting really kind of shitty at that point. Stupid because uh, the ambulance had taken her away. And now the cops were looking at me and they said, you know, I'm getting ready to go to the hospital. They're like, you're not going anywhere, buddy. <laughs> and uh, you're staying right here until the detectives get here. And I'm like, what? All right, whatever. So... I'm thinking that's actually going to happen quickly. They needed to do some tests or blow by to make sure I didn't have any gunpowder or anything on my hands. And, uh, and so now we're just sitting there and the, your, your mind goes apeshit in that place. Like crazy. You don't know what to do. You don't know what's happening. You don't know how she is. And uh, the cops are no help, right? I mean, they're doing their job, but they're not helping me. And uh, I'm like, hey, where the hell's this detective? Because I'm going to the hospital. Well, I'm sorry, but you have to stay here. And I'm like, look, do your damn test. Do whatever you got to do, but I'm going to the hospital. And I'll give them 15 more minutes. So it was literally like almost two hours. Finally, the, nobody, the detective didn't show up. And... Um, I looked at the cops and I'm like, guys, I'm going to the hospital. And they're like, yeah, you're, you're good, man. Because I had told them what had happened and they went back in the bedroom and ultimately she had left a note, which I never did read. Um, my brother, who was a former police officer, came and, and he was there working with them. And uh, he got the note, read it to me after the fact. It was barely legible. Just something about how much she loved me and what a great husband I was to her. And all these things, right? So, uh, he's like, I don't recommend that you have this. And I'm like, Dad, that's fine. I don't need it. So, after seeing that, the cops obviously were good with it. But uh, I guess what had happened is she had taken some of her pills. And she had just recently gotten diagnosed with TMJ. And so the doctor gave her anti-anxiety medicine for that. And one of the side effects of the anti-anxiety medicine is suicidal tendencies. And I guess that coupled with the alcohol from us partying and watching the Packers that day, uh, that was enough. That was just enough. It, and it only takes one second. One second. And, uh, it was a really bad moment for me.
I learned after months of uh, working with an incredible counselor that from her perspective, possibly at that time, that would have been a moment of possible relief. And we'll talk about all of that uh, as we discuss all the amazing things I learned going through the counseling. Uh, but anyway, so then I'm off to the hospital. And I get to the hospital and uh, some close friends are already there. And family's starting to show up and trying to get some information, what's going on, you know, where, how's she doing, you know, everything going to be fine, and everything was not going to be fine, they had already had her on a ventilator at that point, and, and then I had a video conference with a doctor that basically said uh, that her, like, she's gone, and that they're keeping her basically alive on artificial support. And they wanted to know what I wanted to do about that. And so I made the decision to wait uh, another day because her family, siblings, and that were in the adjacent state. And they were going to make the trip over, and I wanted to make sure that they had an opportunity to say their goodbyes and all of that. At that point, she was already gone for me. I think I went in the room twice, maybe. And after that, I didn't want to go back in. Her head was the size of a basketball. Didn't look anything like my beautiful baby. And so I, I chose to uh, not continue and support that image and so I let everybody else you know do that and go in and say, say their goodbyes and do whatever they're gonna do but at that point she was already gone from me and my life changed in an instant from that moment. Thank you for listening to the first episode of this series, Diary of a Suicide Lost Survivor. This podcast is brought to you by the Belief Hack Brainery. In the upcoming episodes, you will learn specific mental strategies and specific tools to implement to help cope in a tragedy of this sort. Many of these techniques are able to be used in a broad variety of life's situations and challenges. And we encourage you to utilize them wherever you see fit, where it can be helpful to you. If you are in a current situation of emergency or tragedy or deep loss and you're struggling, we encourage you to get professional help right away. Growing through tragedy, experiencing life's challenges from an empowered perspective, brought to you by the Belief Hack Brainery, and we'll talk to you on the next episode.